0: I was a kid growing up in jersey uh anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something uh, we'd call him a riot ladies and gents uh this guy's a riot in more ways than one bob dylan this is pod dylan the show that celebrates the work of bob dylan one live album at a time proud member of the fire and water podcast network i'm your host the freewheeling rob kelly And this week we're doing something a little special. We're not talking about an individual uh, song. We're going to talk about an entire album, namely the much maligned 1989 live album, Dylan and the Dead. And joining me to talk about this record is my pal and fellow podcaster and avowed deadhead, Nicholas Prom. Hi, Nicholas. Hi, Rob. I'm happy. I'm (laughs) happy to have you on the show finally.
1: I I am thrilled to finally have a reason to be on Pod Dylan. Cause I, I, I like Bob, but I'm not, uh, down in the groove uh, enough to really discuss. I know. <laughs> like well the worst done.
0: Album, well done. I like appreciate the worst
1: it. Album deep, to reference. Deep cut. Yeah. But uh, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a like seasoned, uh, Bobcat. So I'm kind of like, well, you know, I like him and I've, you know, done a deep dive on the discography and everything, but, I uh, I've listened to every episode of pod Dylan and I really enjoy Your enthusiasm is infectious. I didn't really take That's any a terrible tend-
0: word. To use in this context. In fact,
1: Nicholas, come on. Sorry, I'm sorry <laughs> in these troubled times. Um, <laughs> but no, what I mean is, you know, it's, I'm going to wax your car for a minute, Rob, okay? Like, all right, move on, this- Nicholas,
0: move on. Come on, come on. What are you doing? What am I doing? <laughs> what are you, you- yeah, Come on. We don't need to compliment me at the top of the show. You can save that for the end.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, okay, fine. And I'm sorry, I'm getting off in the weeds here. I'll just let you do your top of show stuff. All sorry.
0: right, <laughs> thank you. So yes, we said so we're going to talk about Dylan in the Dead. You know, this is something again, Nichols. You and I have been talking about doing this for a while because this, and I've I've made fun of this record on other shows. Sure. I've made I've made asides. I've made little uh, catty comments about it. Uh, and, and I realized that okay, that I could invite someone else on the show. Uh, to just dump on this because of course, you know, I feel like I don't have to establish my bona fides when it comes to Bob Dylan. I've loved virtually everything the man does. So once in a while I feel free to say this thing wasn't that good. This thing wasn't, you know, this thing. Okay. But I also realized, well, that's kind of boring though, just to have no- someone else on with me to just dump on this record. That's not fun. And I don't, I try to keep the show positive. uh in, in, in many way I can. And so I thought it would be more interesting to have someone who is a big Grateful Dead fan, So maybe, I don't know, not argue with me about this record, but just to to have a slightly different perspective on it. Now, normally, this would be the part of the show where I ask the person in question, when did you become a fan of Bob Dylan? But I'm going to flip that, and I'm going to ask you, Nichols, when and where was the circumstances you became a
1: huge fan of The Grateful Dead? Well, you know, it's funny, because I had kind of had an awareness of them for a very long time, but I knew no one who was into them. And, like, similar to Bob... I'm going to tie my Bob origin in with this this too, because I know you ask everyone that. <laughs> but um, similarly with Bob, uh, The Dead didn't get like rock radio airplay where I'm from. So you really, there were a band, somebody had to introduce you to them. I was aware that they existed. And I remember the summer that Jerry died. And you know I knew it, that A Grateful Dead existed. But I was like a heavy metal dude for years and years. And like somebody that I worked with, um, and I had a, this factory job that I worked in, like two thousand five, two thousand six. This guy just brought me some Grateful Dead's He uh, Burned some some key albums for me, and I just fell in love with these great songs. And so I started getting tapes and listening to bootlegs, and just it snowballed into this thing that was like, wow, where has this been all my life? You know, <laughs> it's, um, um, this this uh, really wonderful b- music. And so yeah, they've been growing like a like a like a fungus on me. Uh, ever since and uh, I have uh, uh, gone to shows when, when I, when I can um, I waited a long time to start going to, to dead shows, but um, I've enjoyed to all, you know enjoyed them as uh, uh, in their iterations. I've seen uh, Dead and company I've seen gone and seen Phil Lesh and many, many uh, dead tribute shows I, every city has got at least one dead tribute band.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but uh, yeah. And, and similarly, Bob Dylan was like, okay, I had an awareness of him, but no radio airplay. From No. None. And, you know, sure, you know some songs because they're in movies and things, but like, again, I I didn't know anybody who was into them. I'm like tied into that heavy metal world, you know, like, and so I didn't give Dylan a chance until much longer, probably not until you started uh, this podcast. Oh, my. Yeah. And what I was going to say earlier, I was saying, I'll wax your car. Like, I'll listen to anything that you do, Rob. So yeah, I started exploring Dylan along with this show. Kind of starting with Dylan and the Dead, because I'm like, okay, I was already a deadhead. Um, but then I, you know, got freewheeling Bob Dylan and, you know, and and loved it and started, you know, exploring the albums. And yeah, Dylan's fantastic. Um, he's got some hit or miss periods, but I think everybody's mm-hmm. got that. Um, but really it's like, okay, you know, all of his stuff from the sixties and seventies is either great or very good. And then the eighties are pretty shaky um, with, with a couple of highlights, you know, Oh um, uh, mercy and um, infidel infidels. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I mean, I was assuming you were going to say "Infidels." Yeah, infidels. I could be wrong, but I'm the, most the other Dylan anyway.
1: albums of the eighties are kind of like, this is also a Bob Dylan album, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and then really his nineties work, his work from the nineties on is all pretty great. Mm-hmm. Good to great. Um so I mean he has uh he's a pretty consistent other than kind of his lost decade. Yeah, and I so I I haven't gotten to see Bob. I was about to pull the trigger on go, uh getting Dylan tickets uh when the pandemic hit yeah. and everything was canceled. So um hopefully I'll get that chance uh in 2022 or something. Uh- <laughs> hopefully <laughs> yeah. hopefully
0: we'll all get that chance, yes.
1: Right? So what was it about
0: uh, the the music? I mean, first of all, I think it's interesting you said that you kind of get into it after Jerry died. And of course, you know, I rem- I remember when Jerry Garcia died. I mean, I've never been a fan of The Grateful Dead, really. But Jerry Garcia was a huge cultural figure. And oh, I, re- yeah. I remember when he passed away. And I remember thinking, well, geez, that's the end of The Grateful Dead, right? I, like it, it's, it's, it's over. And right. then it, it was over for a little bit. And then it came back. And now, of course, you know, Jerry's been dead like 25 years. So it's like 26. 26. There's a whole another generation of maybe even two of fans that are grateful dead fans that have never seen Jerry Garcia, like our post Jerry Garcia, which is kind of an amazing, like that a testament to the longevity of the music is that the, you know, the ostensibly the, the, the lead singer and the, you know, certainly the most famous face from this band could pass away. And yet they just needed a couple of years off and then bang, they're back out there. So I know this is a, a very wide-ranging question it's hard to answer probably in, in sure short thing but like what was it about for someone as you say coming from like a heavy metal background what was it about the music that that captured your imagination so much
1: i think what you know it came to me at a time when i i needed it and didn't know it mm-hmm. you know because that 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 other world is very like gray and kind of uh i don't know it's 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 not it can be fun but it's not open and i don't know if i can if that really uh if i can articulate that perfectly but it came to me at a point where i needed something that was gentler and had beauty uh to mm. express and more thing more more emotion than i'm mad about something <laughs> yeah you know i don't know I, maybe it was uh just a there was an undefined thing that was the universe touching me and saying this is what you need right now and this is where we're going to go forward and that kind of thing, that feeling is, I think, part of what has kept the, the following of the, and the spirit of the Grateful Dead alive long past, long beyond Jerry Garcia's, uh, lifetime in that they created a community of people, uh, who were tied to a feeling. And the Grateful Dead are bigger now than they were at their, you know, in, at their, you know, arena rock level, you know, in the last seven, eight years of their career. They, they are a generational phenomenon. And uh, I, I don't know if there's anything quite like it out there.
0: Are you someone that when you get into something, you, whatever it is, or it's like, you know, an actor or or an author or musician, are you someone that really loves to immerse themselves in, in the material? Because like one of the things I love about Bob is that there's so much of it. Yeah. Uh, You know what I mean? And of course the, the Grateful Dead is like that too. There's if you really want to immerse yourself in the Grateful Dead, there, you'll never listen to it all in a lifetime. And to me, some people find that daunting because some people I think have a collector's mentality. It's like, no, sure. I got to hear, I have to hear it all. Or, yeah. or there's some part of me that is, I haven't done it right. But I like the idea that like, I'll never hear all of Bob's material in my lifetime. It'll never all be released because there's just simply so much of it. And the, to me, I was like, I could appreciate that if I became a dead fan, man, I, I would, you know, <laughs> I mean, you have said you very kindly sent me a bunch of bootlegs and like, you know, like eight CDs full of stuff. I'm like, oh my lord, like this is so much of just side bands and side projects and this and that. So, are you somebody like that that you you like having a lot to pick from?
1: I do. I I love getting to go and explore uh, a large catalog. I don't think I don't find it daunting. I'm like, okay, cool. There is there is all this to sink my teeth into, and you know. I think at the top of the show when I was talking kind of like giving a very concise, like look at kind of the ups and downs of Bob's career, you know, I like being able to do that with an an artist or a band Um, or you and I as comic book fans, we can say, oh yeah, that's where this was Gene Conlon's strongest period or whomever, you know, Neil Adams was really at his peak when he did, was working on X, you know, those things. And I like being able to do that. I like being able to kind of see, the ups, the downs, experimental periods, like the mistakes and kind of the where where grants kind of level off and kind of come into uh uh, uh re- rejuvenated creative period and I think that's where where Dylan's been the last two decades he's been pretty pretty on fire yes <laughs>
0: very, um very much so
1: yeah, and the dead are like that uh in their way you know there are not all shows are great, but uh all of them have interesting things um for me to listen to and it's 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 like being able to see moment to moment, you know, like comparing like even one night to the next, what the the emotional state of uh, the band members were and where 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 they're at, both musically and where they are connecting with each other. And it's, I don't know, the interplay is endlessly fascinating to me.
0: All right. Fair enough. Uh, could you name uh, two or three albums that you would recommend to someone getting into it for the first time?
1: If, 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 You're just looking for pure, fantastic songwriting and great songs. Beautiful. I would say working man's dead and American beauty,
0: American beauty. I figured American beauty would be on the list there.
1: Um, I mean, those two albums really are one long album. Garcia has even said, so, you know, it's they're. I mean, both came out in 1970. It was a really creative period there.
0: Really? Same year.
1: Wow. Same year. And they're, both heavily influenced by, you know, those great three-part harmonies of uh, Crosby, Sills, and Nash, who were their buddies, you know. They're kind of drawing from, like, the Bakersfield uh, country music of, like, Merle Haggard. Uh, it's really beautiful stuff and very much not uh, bloated. The, I mean, I don't think any of those songs are more than four minutes long. And uh, for someone who's just looking for meat and potatoes, like, okay, what what is this? band about emotionally, I'd say go with those. And then I recommend um their first two live albums, Live Dead. And um it's just called it's like a self-titled Grateful Dead. It's mm-hmm. affectionately referred to as either Skull and Roses or Skullfuck. Um but I know but those those two really uh records really sum up like the first one is like this is the dead in the sixties and the second one's like this is where we're going in the seventies. And really fantastic Fantastic! Uh, between those two live albums and those two studio records, I say that is a perfect gateway to be like, okay, what is this band about?
0: All right, fair enough. Uh, like I said I, I always like to try and impart, you know, some knowledge out there for people that might be, you know, that might want to get into the Dead for the very least, try and figure out what all the fuss is about, and then right. because there is so much of it, not know where to start. You know, just sure. you know, I don't know. I don't know what yeah. it's. It would be like somebody saying to me, you know, or somebody wanted to get into Bob Dylan and not knowing what they're not knowing where to start and like, you know, literally holding highway 61 in one hand and knocked out loaded in the other and being like, I don't know which one's better. Like, no, wait a minute. Definitely highway 61. Yeah. Wait, don't, you don't make the wrong decision. So, okay. So you're talking about live albums. So that's the perfect segue to what we're going to be talking about, which is the dead. We have to give a little bit of history here. Of course. Sure. Bob, uh, you know, Bob collab started, they had this idea of doing a stadium tour with the Grateful Dead and they went on this you know, massive stadium tour. Uh, occasionally Tom Petty would be there as well. And, and they uh, did shows in, in 1987. That's where this record is pulled from. Now oh. I have had a chance to listen to some bootlegs. There's a lot of material out there yeah. uh, on YouTube, uh, both live material and studio stuff. And you can tell now, again, as, as you referred to earlier, and as everyone knows at this point, you know, yeah. Bob's mid eighties period was clearly the shakiest period of his, you know, his worst to me, his worst three studio albums and his worst two live albums are all in a row here. They're all. Yeah. And so this was a guy clearly kind of searching around for creative direction. And And he needed this. Right. Right. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that if you listen to the bootlegs, you know, you can tell that by playing with these guys, he was energized to dig into the songbook and pull out stuff that he had rarely or never done. And then yeah. in other cases, do covers that were really interesting. It's like, you can go on YouTube and hear them uh, knocking around Paul Simon's Boy in the Bubble, which was a hit at the time. And it's like, wow, that's really cool to hear yeah, I love Bob song. Dylan sing Boy in the Bubble. And like, so during this tour... He pulled out songs like Chimes of Freedom. John Brown got its first ever uh, live debut. And so, you know, clearly the dead were inspiring him to sort of go outside his comfort zone and do something a little different. The problem is whoever compiled this record decided not to include any of that stuff. And so for anyone who doesn't have Dylan and the Dead... The live album only consists of seven songs. First of all, seven songs. Like, guys, yeah. What, what's the what's that about? Why, why so? You know, seven songs. It's got slow train, I want you, gotta serve somebody, Queen Jane, approximately, Joey, all on mm-hmm. the watchtower, Your <laughs> and my favorite, and Knock It on heaven's door. And so, outside of Queen Jane, approximately, these are mostly songs that Bob had performed live quite a bit. And you know, we can talk a little bit about the performances, but to me, it's like you can feel how you want to feel about the, him collaborating with the Grateful Dead. If you're not a fan of the dead, you're probably not thinking this is they're adding much to Bob, but I cannot fathom how through all of the material they had to perm from mm-hmm. that this mm-hmm. is what they decided to put out as, as the record. And so you can judge it as well. Jeez. You know, the, the uh, artistic experiment, of Bob Dylan with the Grateful Dead was a success because it got him to songwrite again. And of course, he collaborated with the Wilburys around the same time. Yeah. But you also have to just judge the final result, which is this record, which to me is just really frustrating. Knowing how much good material is out there and knowing this is what they decided
1: to put out is frustrating in the extreme. Oh, yeah. So I have a bunch of thoughts on this. Again, okay, so this project and the Wilburys really rejuvenated Bob. And we have to give both these projects a lot of credit for that because he was floundering big time. Um, so it's an, it's an important document just for, for that alone. I too am very frustrated with the brevity of this album and the selections. Um, these performances are all right. Uh, I think this record is no worse than his previous live album, Real Live, which is all right. It's not, I mean, not. it's not great, but a live album should have like, you know, things where I moments where I get excited and there's not a lot to to get excited about here i mean i can pick out i I can hear jerry's guitar i can hear backup vocals from brent midland and bob weir um and brent's piano but bob had four previous live albums two of them were double albums the dead almost always did a double live album at least on the you know on their contemporary live records a 44 minute seven song disc is kind of like this is so paltry this should have been a double record it could have been as big as deal and as well regarded as um, Before the Flood, you know and it should have had more songs better choices and had some dead songs too, you know (laughs) like Garcia picked out or had many uh, better suggestions for what could have gone on here. Bob was listening to these these cuts on a crappy (laughs) boombox and vetoed a lot of better choices because he'd already put them out on previous live albums so he kind of shot himself in the foot and us. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, again, I don't think these are bad performances, but there's better better material from these shows. I've got a friend who was at one of the Dylan and the Dead shows, and he said it was his favorite Dead show he ever went to. Wow. Um, so there's good stuff there. There's performances with life. Um, but I don't know if you know the story of when Bob like went down to rehearse with the Dead they're pulling out songs that like he'd never played since he recorded. Right. You know, and he was like really intimidated, like, like, Oh crap, the jig is up. What did I s- sign myself up for? <laughs> and he kind of had to uh, figure out what he was going to do. And, and, and I think he, 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 he almost regretted um, <laughs> hiring them to, to do these shows. It's cool that they got him to pull out things that he hadn't been playing, but the side eff- effect of that is the performances kind of are kind of shaky and loose. Uh, on both parties, Bob, you know how Bob is, you know, he's writes songs like he's exercising something from his, in, within himself. Hmm. And sometimes once it's recorded and down, he never touches that again with a lot of songs yeah. and like the dead, but in a different way, he's not afraid to the songs that are in the repertoire live to continue to play with them, let them evolve beyond what they're on, on album. But he and the Grateful Dead have different approaches to that. Bob's is sort of off the cuff, and in in the sense of, well, okay, I know what songs I'm going to play, but my backup band is going to need to have a sharp ear for like how I'm how I'm going to decide to play it tonight and go with that. Whereas the Dead, they wrote and performed songs and were very well rehearsed, very well practiced, but knew things forwards and backwards to the point where they know where we can open up and jam or play this in a different way. Certain songs are jam vehicles to kind of go off into space and then come, come back down to earth. And that, those two methodologies kind of came into clash uh, in the bringing together um, with Dylan and the Grateful Dead. And in some ways it's amazing that it worked as well as it did. And otherwise it's like another, like, man, what a, there's so much potential here. (laughs) um it just kind of like it didn't quite come together like i think like anyone i think uh, expected
0: yeah i mean you mentioned one of the things i am again we said it's like first of all only seven songs is just ridiculous i mean it's like you know and by the way it says it was this album was produced by jerry garcia and john cutler do you know who john cutler is is he is he a grateful dead fixture
1: he is part of the the Dead World, I think. Gotcha. I want to say he's like in in management or in part of their office. Gotcha. gotcha. i and other Deadheads would be like, don't you know John is da, da, da. you know I don't uh, I don't always remember all of the people <laughs> you know around. He's somebody who worked for the. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, so yeah, so yeah, there's seven seven songs,
0: which is absurd. And even though I'm not a particular fan of the Grateful Dead, I I do, I do. think it's a missed opportunity to not hear Bob sing some dead songs yeah, and and give the dead more of a presence. Because in in this way, it's in a lot of ways, it's like, this is just the Grateful Dead as Bob's backing band, which Which is is nice. But it's like, at the same time, it's like, this is the Grateful Dead, guys. You know, you want to hear them collaborate, not just have them kind of sing those those backing vocals, which you do here. But yeah, it, it feels a little like, well, wait a minute. Like, I mean, in the 90s, when Bob was doing a lot of Grateful Dead covers, they're really... He, he really did them quite well. I mean, he, he I, just, I saw, I, I went to conscious where I heard him do friend of the devil and like, uh, what like West LA fade away. And, uh, uh, you know, he did a lot of really fine, uh, black money river, which we even talked about on this yeah. very show. Um, yeah.
1: he's and, done and, Alabama getaway also
0: Alabama, yeah, Alabama getaway. I mean, it's like, and those were really fun. And so it's like, why don't throw a couple of those in there? And so that, again, that's the other part where you're like, what you know, what, I mean, he it said it's produced by Garcia and Cutler, but of course Bob is going to have the final say yeah. on 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 any record that goes out under his name. Yeah. And so, yeah, it is just sort of really strange. Now, of the performances themselves, Slow Train, I think it's fine. Yeah. I, want, I want you, I, I kind of like, got to serve somebody I'm indifferent to. I really do like Queen Jane, approximately. I actually yeah. think that's a really beautiful version. And I yeah. love the way it ends with the sort of hushed, vocals by the Grateful Dead as it sort of fades off. I think that's actually the standout
1: on the record. Yeah. And, you know, The Dead played Queen Jane approximately quite a bit. Bob Weir takes lead vocal on it. They play a lot of Bob songs.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: I mean, I think there's like somewhere between 15 and a couple of dozen Bob songs that are in the repertoire and a handful of which they would play frequently, such as Queen Jane or Tangled Up in Blue or uh, When I Paint My Masterpiece,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which... Um, I love the dad doing uh, masterpiece. Uh, it's another one that Bob Weir sings and it's great. I've seen Bob Weir sing that song, you know, so yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, what a, what a, what a missed opportunity there. It, uh, clearly Bob can do, do dead songs and do them well. Mm-hmm. Um, it it would have been wonderful um, for this to feel, it feels so uneven. And this is really something that should have peaks and valleys and like, and a lot stronger performances. And they're just kind of not there.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, everyone knows how I feel about the song, Joey. To to me having Joey, uh, I mean, you say what you want about that song. I just think it aside from my feelings about it as a, a studio song, I think it just completely doesn't work as a live song. Like to me, it just doesn't work. And you even hear Bob mess up the, the lines at one oh, point. Yeah. He inverts a rhyme at one point. Not that that's a huge deal. But to me, it's like, it's almost like if someone designed a record, like, let's let's find a way to create a live album that will completely alienate Rob Kelly. Let's yeah. do this one and put Joey on it. Let's, let's only have seven songs and yeah. have Joey be one of the seven songs. Right. Uh, and then you've got All Along the Watchtower, which just I've heard a million times. And then sure. knocking on heaven's door, and they're both like seven minute versions, yeah, of those songs. And to me, neither one of those songs need to. Be, I know that knocking on heaven's door has become a big, you know, sing along song. But to sure. me, but those songs at seven minutes each is just too, too much. Is you know, sure. more, more is not more uh, at that point. And <laughs> right. so, yeah, I mean, he said when I if you go to YouTube and you listen to them him doing John Brown, you see the fun that he's having sure. singing John Brown, and you're like. Why, you know, like, or again, in Chimes of Freedom, a song he rarely ever does. It's like, so yeah, that's, and coming when it did at the end of this, you know, this run of kind of dubious studio albums and a dubious live album with real live, it really did start to say, boy, this, he was really just searching. And in fact, we all know the story that apparently right around this time, Bob actually asked to join the Grateful Dead full time. Yeah. Which,
1: (laughs) You know, thankfully, it had to be a unanimous decision.
0: Thankfully, thankfully, someone stood up and said, no, we're not
1: letting him do that, which ended up being a great decision for everybody. Yeah, because here's the thing. What would they have? The Grateful Dead would have become Bob Dylan's backing band. Mm -hmm. And Bob, here's the thing. Bob is, he is a great songwriter and a great performer. But his musical, his musicality as a composer is sort of rudimentary. He plays well enough to write and play you know what what comes in, comes through him, but the most of the guys in the Grateful Dead are like musical or they're musical virtuosos, okay these are guys who could go play with King Crimson and yes, okay if they wanted to you know or or you know and that, I don't mean that to be shady on Bob, okay mm-hmm. but what I mean is I don't think playing wise he's he's up to the task to being a member of the Grateful Dead learn their repertoire and 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 fit in with you know the 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 jammy parts of their songs. What was he going to go go stand in the corner? <laughs> right, you <yeah>. know. <laughs> and and thankfully you know uh I think they all were probably like no, we can't do that. But um most people believe that bassist Phil Lesh was like no, no. Mm-mm. We cannot do that. And he was tends to be the voice of reason or the cop of the group. <laughs> um and 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 it was the right decision um, uh, to, to go out and play shows with Bob. Sure. But for him to, to, to literally be a member of the band would have been a disaster. Yeah. You know, and Bob Dylan is one of the greatest performers and songwriters of all time, but it doesn't, they're kindred spirits, but in, uh, in the execution, it just doesn't come off and you would have night after night shows that don't quite work. If Dylan had joined the Grateful Dead
0: yeah I mean he would have thrown that band off of its axis, yeah big time, and it you yeah. do when you hear about it in retrospect, it does have a uh, it does smack of kind of desperation, uh, sure. a little bit of Bob almost wanting to retreat a little and just kind yeah. of being hiding on stage among these other guys as opposed to constantly being the guy out front, which of course is understandable. I mean he's been doing it for at this point, been doing it for plus thirty years, I'm sure he was exhausted. And he was searching around for a creative direction and he was having a tough time finding it. So I can understand probably saying, hey, why don't I just tour around with these guys that I'm friends with and I'm comfortable with and we'll just do this. And, you know, thank you, Philesh, or thank you, whoever it was. (laughs) uh, Thank you for saying no, because you ended up doing service to both the Grateful Dead and
1: to Bob. Yeah. And here's the thing. I can see where Bob is coming From in 1987, okay, his career is kind of floundering, and I I can tell that he he obviously feels lost, you know. And this experience and the Wilburys revitalized him, and I think that's great. And I think the the extra judge that this gave him Mm -hmm. made him feel like maybe I should join up with the Grateful Dead. And when they said no, it's like okay, well, I'm going to soldier on as you know do and do the never ending tour. And be who I am. And I think he's, he, he hasn't lost his way since. So this is the two sets of very important events with two really great groups of guys that really steered him into, you know, a fantastic past three decades uh, of, uh, of new material mm-hmm. um, and, and a solid direction. Bob and Jerry are like a mutual admiration society. Lots of respect. Bob spoke at Jerry's funeral. And one of the, one of the things he said was like, nobody knew or could understand what it was like to be me. No shit. I got that wrong. You were the only one who knew what it's like to be me. You know, you know, the dead were the greatest or the, excuse me, the, uh, the most popular touring act in the world. Jerry was so famous. He couldn't walk down the street, you know, and that's what Bob had been living with for, you know, since like the 1960s, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you have all kinds of vultures like Webberman, you know, floating around, you know, what does that do to somebody?
0: By the way, we should say that uh, when, when Jerry Garcia died, Bob released the, uh, a uh, memoriam from him, a tribute. It's really one of, it's really beautiful. Yeah. I, I definitely recommend everybody go out and find it and read it. Uh, Cause it's, I mean, it, it, yeah, it is. You could tell the, the deep admiration that he has, or he had for his friend, Jerry, and, and especially in through the context of being a musician. And it's kind of sad. Cause as Bob, moves king continues to move on and he you know sees many of his friends pass away he's you know he's sort of the guy that he has to turn to you have to turn to and you know get words from and that's got to get discouraging and and uh depressing after a while you know to write a a memorial for jerry garcia and then the right one for johnny cash and the right one for george harrison and the right one for tom petty you know after a while you got to get like well i'm tired of this i'm tired of writing nice words about my Dead friends, because I'm tired of my friends, uh, dying. Um, yeah, I, I will say, and this is just my chance to exorcise some of the less than less than charitable feelings about the Grateful Dead. Did spring up from a couple of things, and again, I'm I'm I I feel like I've gotten past that. But there was a time when I really had a negative view of not so much the dead, but dead fans. Okay, because right after Jerry died, all of a sudden, deadheads flocked. The Dylan shows and, sure. and there was a point where um kind of like what you were sort of saying in a weird way about where like, you know, Bob likes to kind of play by the seat of his pants and yeah. the dead, the dead are more, they want to, they want to have it sort of nailed all down. So they then can pick what parts to go do the flights of fancy.
1: Yeah, I, I and, will admit. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, just one, one little interjection and the dead would not do a set list, but they would have a general idea of where they were, were going to go. Okay. Um, And once they started playing, okay, we're going to go into this song. Cool. We all know it down. Um, But yeah, they, they didn't write up set lists beforehand. I don't know if Bob does that. I imagine he does. He does. Yeah. But that was kind of one of the key differences. Sorry. Go right ahead.
0: No, 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 no. So, I mean, so first of all, I mean, I will say like the, the cover to the Dylan and the dead record, like it's got this, this painting of this train moving and it's got the, you know, the grateful dead. uh, Does that, does that Skull. Does that skeleton with the roses have like a name? Is there a, Bertha? Is there a name? Bertha. That's okay. Bertha. So you've yeah. got Bertha there, and then you've got Bob on the right, and it's Bob as he looked in the sixties. Yeah. And and that's a bugaboo for me. I hate. I really hate articles that you see online about Bob Dylan, and they show they're talking about him now, but they show a picture from nineteen sixty-five. I that drives yeah. me nuts. It's like he it doesn't look like that now. That picture is fifty years old. And so I will admit, again, I I'm always a little. Uh, I, I'm willing to let myself sound like a Jackass on this show sometimes because I want to be honest in the conversations that we have and not edit them to make sure, me sound as sure. nice as possible. I do say I will have my, I have my limits, <laughs> you know, sometimes sure. I say something so stupid. I take it out, yeah. but I will admit like when I, when I first got this record, and this is one of the last, uh, last records of his that I bought as I was going through the whole collection. Like I saw that picture of him in the sixties mm-hmm. and I just was like, Oh, yeah, well that's the whole dead aesthetic. It's like, oh, the 60s. You know, like I was just like oh, I mean, why yeah. isn't the painting of him now? Like why does it have right. to be as... and so like and then like I said, right after Jerry died, the, all of a sudden Dylan concerts were flooded with deadheads. And I will say, and this is, again, this is not not this is not the most wonderful thing I will admit about myself, but like deadheads, at least when they showed up to Bob Dylan concerts, were kind of not that concerned about people at all, about other people and kind of like uh, I I spent one whole concert uh, when, when Phil Lesh opened for Bob with one deadhead who decided he didn't like that he was sitting so far in the back and decided to walk in front of my seat and just stand in front of me and not move. And I will admit, I was like really mad because I'm like, I kind of paid a lot of money for this seat and yeah. I'm sorry that you didn't get a better seat and I'm sorry that you want to see Phyllis up close, but that's too bad. And a couple of times I kind of tapped him on the shoulder and was like, "Um, excuse me, because he was standing where people aren't supposed to be standing. Yeah. And he was like, hey man, it's all good, man. And I, like, I wanted to strangle him. I wanted to yeah. strangle him with his Birkenstocks because I was like, no, <laughs> I can't, you know, like, and I, like, I don't like that part of me that's in there, but sure, it was. And I was well, kind of like, man, I really want these deadheads to move on to something else because right. I don't want to have to fight for space with them at, the, at my Bob Dylan concert. And they did. They did move on to Fish, and they moved on to The Grateful Dead when The Grateful Dead came back. But I will admit... There was that period right after Jerry died where I was like, if I see another fucking deadhead at one of these shows, I'm going to punch a hippie. And
1: I don't oh, like, man. I don't
0: like being that way. I'm not that kind of person. Sure. I, I definitely hit my limit at, around that time.
1: So I will say you'll find those t- types in every scene, no matter yes. what it is. Yes. Okay. Is true. It's just like the the jerk who's going to ruin a movie by talking yes. on the phone or something. I've and, run into
0: a lot of jerks at Bob Dylan concerts that are fellow Dylan fans. I would Obviously, See, it is go. not, yeah, it is not specific to, yeah. Dylan, to Dylan. So you're going
1: to get obviously. that wherever you go, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. You know, I mean, the dead shows that I've been to, you know, the where and when I go, whether it's a tribute show or it's a show with dead members, I don't, uh, I don't really encounter a lot of friction. I mean, it's, it's, it's treated kind of like a, a, almost a, it's a tribal affair and we're all kind of part of this thing together. Um, And yeah, some people get a little too close. I got somebody who just wanted to be real chummy and he was like, you know, tripping on acid or whatever. I'm like, Mm -hmm. dude, you know, okay. You know, like, so, but for the most part, it's a very chill, joyful experience dancing and camaraderie. And uh, yeah. Of course. Of course. (laughs) yeah, Yes,
0: of course. I mean, like I said, I'm sure uh, I, I will, I will completely admit that there was a time where I just dismissed the Grateful Dead as like, Oh it's all just kind of sixties nostalgia, whatever. Yeah. And I realized, first of all, that A, not fair. B, there are certainly other people who are not Bob Dylan fans who would disregard a Bob Dylan concert with those same words. You know, they would just mm-hmm. say, Oh yeah. And, and I also will admit this too. While I was researching for this episode, I went and found a bunch of clips on YouTube of like news reports talking about, you know, Hey, Bob Dylan and the Grateful Dead are in town. And man, you will never get a better sense of how much things have changed in not that long a period of time because yeah. the new like there's one segment where this uh, i think it's in Ohio where uh, somebody is there to, to to some news reporter is there to talk about that dylan and and the dead are playing and man the the contempt for which these news reporters are are speaking about these shows. Mm-hmm. is is really shocking, almost. Like, you yeah. wouldn't hear that nowadays. You, they would be more professional. But you've got this guy in, like, a seersucker suit kind of be like, mm-hmm. look, can you believe it? There's tie-dye here. What? You know, and you're like, wow, they are really kind of shitting on this in the yeah. eyes of a news report. Guys, be a little more professional than this. So, oh, like, yeah. So I will admit, even though I had those feelings years ago, when I saw, like, that clip, I was like, I started being defensive for did for dead fans i was like hey what do you got what are you picking on these guys
1: where they're not harming anybody they're just having, yeah. they're
0: just there for a nice concert come on guys yeah
1: <laughs> um i have seen some similar clips and you know it's just uh the world is a different place yeah uh in in some ways better you know so but um yeah dead show is uh it is like i said it's a it's a tribal event and it's uh generally just good vibes people just want to dance and have a good time, you know. Yeah.
0: Now getting, I said, now getting back to the, the album question, the Dylan of the Dead, like I said, it, it, to me, it is, it is a tragic missed opportunity because, like I said, I think there's, I think there's one really solid performance. I do like the, uh, I do think Bob singing is not at his best. He's shouting a lot. Mm -hmm. I think partly because they're playing these huge halls and playing these, you know, gigantic stadiums. Um, but I do really like Queen Jane approximately. And I said, there, there was so much good material to perm from that it is seems willfully perverse that they kind of picked again as you said it's a 44 minute cd with only seven songs you could have fit two more songs on here uh and and thrown in a couple of unusual ones or some or some dead songs and made it a little more of an interesting artifact if you didn't want to do a double album at least put something a little more representational of what this yeah. is, but, but, it, but it wasn't. And like I said, you know, until I started getting some of the bootlegs, this was all I had. This was the only oral, yeah. uh, you know, examples of what those of that, what that tour was. And I was like, is this what this tour was? Ugh, pass. You know, and then I realized, no, of course, there was a lot of great material. And so like I said, it seems very strange that this is what came of it. Uh, but like I said, the bootlegs are out there. They're available all over the place. Yeah. And there's a lot of really solid material out there to to enjoy.
1: Yeah. And the rehearsals of yeah. Dylan and the Dead they are on archive.org that can be listened to and there's a lot of really interesting stuff there like like you said they uh playing uh, the boy in the plastic bubble, you know, Paul Simon among other things. There's, you know, them fumbling and it not working out with Desolation Row cuz Bob doesn't didn't remember any of the lyrics or how to <laughs> play it, which is wild. It's one of his best songs, but you yep. know but the Dead knew it cuz it was in their repertoire, but um but he had, you know, wrote it and cast it off, and he was done with it. You know, which is wild. You know, it's it's, it's one of his best songs. Yep. You know, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, um, a missed opportunity. But two great acts don't always taste great together. Apparently, is is maybe the lesson. Um, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it, and by the way, I I keep thinking um, when you know for people who are you know chroniclers of Bob's history, it we like to kind of put things in a nice little box where we're like, oh, well, between uh, the Real live record and the Dylan and the Dead, that's kind of like the not great stuff. Then he did the Woolberries, and things got better after that. Well, yeah, except for the fact that this record actually came out in 1989. I kept thinking it came out in 1988. It did. It came out in February of 1989. The Woolberries record had already been out for about six months at that point. So it doesn't fit so neatly of like, oh, no, he kind of closed the book on that rough period. He worked with the Wilburys, wrote the songs for Oh Mercy, and bang, there he was back at that point. No, life's a lot messier than that. There's a lot of, yeah. you know, a lot of, there's a lot of slosh over of some bad stuff and some good stuff. It doesn't all fit into a neat box. So, yeah, this actually came out in 1989. I mean, he, you know, at the he started the year with Dylan and the Dead and ended it with Oh Mercy. So, yeah. you know, that's a hell of a 1989
1: to have. Yeah. Well, it's weird. Like, why did it take two years to get this album out? And it's kind of junk anyway. That's the other thing.
0: This, yes, this is true. I'm, I'm glad you said that. Like, a that. live
1: album shouldn't take long to play. Yeah.
0: This was recorded in 1987. It didn't come out for two years. Like, well,
1: you what? have to think, like, it should have come out later in 87 Yeah. or 88 because, you know, the dead, you know, like the Touch of Grave video, they exploded. You know, mm-hmm. and, th- you know, this tour was actually part of that kind of phenomenon. It had just become a hit. And then they did this sh- string of shows. But like, yeah, t- terrible timing. It's almost like because he did another string of shows with them in 89. I wonder if this was to because I don't have the dates exactly. I wonder if this was sort of a like, hey, Dylan's going out on tour with the Dead again. Here's a taste of it what
0: <laughs> and and the album despite its reputation did sell well it actually got up to number 37 on the billboard charts now critics just ripped it apart uh it got yeah. really really trashed again i i think i always feel like there are critics that are waiting to take mm-hmm. this dylan guy down a peg i just think yeah. that that is and that, the again dead right and the dead too and again and not that not that the bob is is above criticism but i always do feel like with each new record there is somebody who's kind of like sharpening the knives like all right this oh, is yeah. going to be the one i'm yeah. really gonna emperor's new clothes time here and it never really quite worked so all right.
1: i mean bob's definitely had some missteps and some some head scratchers in his you know catalog okay sure but but by and large you know a bob dylan album is a safe bet that it's gonna be a good album <laughs> yes help. um uh pretty safe bet um and again, it's just so frustrating. that This album um, is just kind of
0: not <laughs> wonderful,
1: not wonderful um, because it could have been. And and that's yeah,
0: yeah. And 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 you know who knows if they'll ever? I know that the the Grateful Dead are very very have always been very very free wheeling uh, to borrow a phrase with bootlegs. <laughs> you know, like they yeah. they even they even have like you know like parts of their, their concert, like the floor of their concert, for people to tape it. Because yeah. They want the quality to be good. And so, you know, I, I think it seems highly unlikely that there will ever be a bootleg series of this material, of the rehearsals, because I just think probably this is really one of, despite it being two huge acts, this is not well-renowned and probably trying to sell a bootleg series on this would be very, very difficult. That said, yeah. it would be great to have the complete rehearsals of this and in the more unusual yeah. it would be interesting it would be great to try and reclaim this and say no no no, there was a lot of great stuff here it would just wasn't permed from at the time but again that seems highly unlikely
1: yeah i mean i could see a box set of the rehearsals and the shows themselves being a product but that's the materials out there yeah. for anyone to find and check out i don't know i don't think especially in the digital age like what would sales even look like yeah. you know yeah. And, and it's kind of like, well, you know, and I think rights issues and weird things between the Dylan camp and, and, and the dead office, I think would just mire the product in uh, what do we call that Development hell. Yeah. Probably. Uh, and so, I mean, the stuff exists like, like so many of Dylan shows or dead shows, they're out there for you to find if you want to hear them. Yep. You know, um, it's a little easier with the dead because they were like, yeah, tape the show, um, <laughs> which is, which is great. Eight, um, because it's like what you know b- before the internet what a brilliant marketing viral marketing campaign yeah you know, those people trading because no two shows are the same right right you know so yeah i don't know they it's uh it, it, it is wild man
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh okay i think we've sighed enough uh in this episode <laughs> uh trying to trying our best to sort of be as positive a, 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 as possible uh about this record but it but it's hard so uh but again right like, as you said today, i don't hate it
1: i don't hate it it's I, just, I, yeah. but it never gets me excited. <laughs> By the way, uh, this again is my, the first place I heard like Slow Train coming and, and You Gotta Serve Somebody and Joey. I was introduced okay. to those songs on this record. Okay. And I didn't even know uh, Slow Train and You Gotta Serve Somebody were religious songs. I was so not knowledgeable on on Dylan's mm-hmm. uh, catalog or his his life at the time. Uh, but uh, there <laughs> They're they're they 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 did not turn turn me off the idea of checking out Dylan further, so it's uh you know chaotic well, good neutral? Thing. Chaotic Neutral is how I'll rate this album.
0: <laughs> fair fair enough. All right, well, all right, let's let's end on a positive note. Let me ask you, I'll ask you this. So of the songs you heard on this record, yeah. uh you you went and found them, or at least some of them, the studio artifacts. W- was there any of these that you heard on this record for the first time, and then you heard the studio version, and you're like, wow, that's That's awesome. That's an amazing song. Was there any of those that really blew your mind when you finally heard the sort of Bob version of it?
1: Well, I will say, you know, Slow Train Coming is kind of a, it has my least favorite uh, Dylan song on it. But it also, I mean, even for that subject matter, there's some really strong material. And the two songs from that record that are on Dylan the Dead are both great in the studio. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I like uh the studio version of joey more or less mm-hmm. um it's like i get that it's in the folk tradition of like okay you know hey merle haggard did a song about bonnie and clyde it's kind of like all right it's joey gallo is a garbage person yeah uh, and he shouldn't be celebrated yeah but he's also interesting and i can see why there would be a song about him if that makes sense and yeah, no, completely. Sure. you know so and of course you know the the two album closers are like okay everyone knows those songs. And they're all right. Uh, and I definitely know Queen Jane because the dead, you know, they played it frequently. So yes, the studio versions are better. If that's what you're.
0: Well, right. I wasn't trying to get you to say that exactly. I was just I'm curious. Sorry, sorry. I was just trying to see if there was anything that you heard on, on, on the album where you're going, that was all right. And then you hear wh- the kind of like the original material and you're like, Oh geez. Yeah. I can see why you'd want to try this in concert. Cause this is an amazing song. I said, I'm yeah. really glad that they did Queen Jane, because I love that song. I think it's yeah, a it's beautiful great. song. And it's, like I said, to me, it is heads and tails above everything else on the record. I And I yeah. love what the dead bring to it, on top of it. Again, trying to be yeah complimentary. I love the way that they wind it down with the slower, soft harmonies at yeah. the yeah. end. I really like yeah. that a lot. And so that's, of all the songs, that's the only one I was like, oh, yeah, that I dig. I'm like, yeah. the rest of it, and, eh. But that's, it's, all right, that's
1: really good yeah it's telling that that one works so well, you know like they are it was part of their repertoire, and so this one was not a stretch for them or for Bob to perform and perform well
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know how how often Bob was playing this song not much
0: that's see, that's okay. that is one of the nice things about this record is that th- th- that's not a song he played very
1: much at all, and so that was great that the dead inspired him to do it yeah and and so something if if anything good came out of this you know like fiasco is that it's gave bob some juice again it, it is on that course correct you know he stumbled through the 80s and but there was light at the end of the tunnel and like you know his 90s work is very strong his work in the 2000s is very strong uh rough and rowdy ways is maybe his best album since street legal yeah bob's been you know going really well uh after 1987 and was it 87 or 88 he did Wilburys sorry I'm 88 88 okay so it was a transformative period for him and from oh mercy on I don't think there's really anything like you know uh no. little boy you know in in the in the Dylan canon, the Sinatra albums are kind of like well okay this hmm. this is fine I don't know why this needs to exist but if it give him more zhuzh to, you know, come uh, uh, out with original material later, okay, do it. Yeah. You know? Completely. But yeah, you know, um, I will say, I think I was neutral on Joey uh, from this live performance. I'm like, okay, this is whatever. But, and, and I'm I'm going to back, I'm going to contradict what I said earlier. The studio version does have a little more oomph. And I'm like, okay, I can see why you wanted to do this song, you know, on an album.
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know you hate it.
1: I know you hate it and I don't love it um, again, because it's like, ugh, really, we're going to do this epic song about this piece of trash. But the, the legend of Bonnie Clyde is, uh, is only like two or three minutes long. So, right. yeah, that's, all right. You know. Yeah. I mean, Oh God.
0: Someday we'll do an episode. I'll do an episode of the show on Joey and we'll, I'll, I'll get all that out. But, but yeah. so,
1: let's end on Look, a positive. note. Here's that. the thing. Here's the thing. It's still better than man gave names to the animals.
0: Now, see now that I disagree with, I like. Oh my man god, that song names. is hot trash. It's oh. so embarrassing.
1: Uh, it's so right. embarrassing.
0: See now we were gonna end on a positive note, and now who did it? No, I like man. <laughs> I like man. Man gave name to all the animals. I have the children's book and everything. All right, so okay, let's. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just hate it.
1: But all right, so I've right, These shows with you, wrote, and uh, and I'm, <laughs> and it's. I'm so grateful that I could what what other context would I get you to talk about the Grateful Dead on a podcast
0: that's yes. that's fair enough so let, let well, I'll ask you this question. Maybe it's not fair to ask you this since you, as you admit, you're not the hugest Bob fan at least in the oh, world. I like you him. I like you you do no, no, no you do I know but but I, well I'll ask you this question anyway. I've been asking everybody, okay well let's say you're going you Nicholas, you're finally going to your first Bob concert. He decides he's going to tour again in 2022, and you got a ticket. Bob comes to you, he comes to you, he's like, hey, I heard you on that freakout show that you do, I like it. What song, what song of mine do you want me to open your first concert with? You could pick any song, it could be a cover, any, literally anything you want, what song would you love to hear Bob open his first concert that
1: you're attending with? Tangled Up in Blue. Okay, great song. Love it, love it. Yeah, no, it'd probably be Tangled Up in Blue or like I don't know, Love My Zero, but uh, but no, I, I'm gonna go with Tangled Up in Blue. Yeah, okay. I love it. Can't love it.
0: Masterpiece of a song. Can't can't go wrong with that. So yeah. <laughs> all right, well Nicholas, thank you for doing this. I appreciate wow. it. I, I didn't I didn't want it to you. seem. <laughs> I, well, thank you for indulging me. I didn't again. Yeah. I didn't want the episode to just be me dumping on this thing because I even it's in the worst. Even in the <laughs> worst of Bob, I always I find something. It. It's, it's I always find <laughs> something to like, no matter how much of something Bob's I like, don't like. I always find something. So thank you for doing this. I very much appreciate it. Why don't you
1: tell people where they can find you out on the internet? The only project I'm doing right now is my uh, music show, Captain Freakouts, Psychedelic Radio. <laughs> and it's it's a uh, block of music with weird old commercials uh, between songs, and uh, it is me exploring like psychedelic 60s prog rock 70s 60s garage it's a, a real blast for me something different you know i kind of there's i ran out of gas as far as doing comic book podcasts mm-hmm. um and this is just something that's just pure joy and it's a load of fun for me to put together every week and people seem to be digging it so yeah fine captain Freakout, psychedelic radio wherever you consume your podcasts
0: all right uh, fair enough. <laughs> thank you so much again thank you so much for doing this nicholas i appreciate
1: it. I've been dying to do this for a long time and, and I always love doing shows with you. So thank you very much.
0: You're very welcome. So of course, uh, if you want to find back episodes thank of the show, go to our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to Pod Dylan on any of the podcatchers of your choice. And if you want to support the Findwater Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash FW podcast. And there you can unlock various rewards. One of which is to be name checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hutzel, Sebastian Krogh, George Doherty, And Joaquin Mechel for their support of Pod Dylan, I very much appreciate it. So that's going to do it. Thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. Bob Dylan. Grateful
1: Dead, history in the making. July second of the Akron Rubber Bowl. Together for the first time ever, the Grateful Dead and Bob Dylan with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Westwood One presents Bob Dylan with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Productions present the dead live.
0: Reserving take snow and take him Toronto charge through Tu the big one July suck of the Akron Rubber Bowl.